Look, bruh, all I'm doing is connecting the dots. A work of art of the highest quality. And what will you do with the big, big, big money? But I guess I'll make a lot of money, so here I am. Connect the dots, be clear. But music was noise, and I thought art was bullshit. I want to be an artist. Oh. Big, I'm not a piece of art! Yes, bravo! If money is all that you love, then that's what you'll receive. It really was. It was a work of art. It's not about money. It's about sending a message. Hey, just look at that sky. It's a work of art. Ha, nature never knew colors like that. A man can be an artist. And anything, food, whatever. It depends on on how good he is at it. Creasy's art is death. He's about to paint his masterpiece. It's a work of art. Make that money, get paid. Man, this is gonna be a masterpiece. Bothered to connect the dots. This is an art gallery, my friend. And this is a piece of art. Simply connecting the dots. Yeah, well, money talks and bullshit walks, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's how much you know about art. You can make a lot of money making movies like this. You have to be a bit of a rebel to be an artist of any kind, I believe. You're gonna make a lot of money, pal. Only a highly suspicious paranoid cynic, or someone like me, with, a, with an eye for clues and patterns, could possibly connect the dots. Hi everyone, welcome back to Connect the Dots. I'm your, ho your host, Justin Stillmaker, the show where we dig into that fun topic of art and money. Whoa, what a weird opening there. Um, so again, you know, last time I was on, I was excited to talk about the Writers Guild strike, and guess what? We get I'm excited to talk about what's going on now, which is the Screen Actors Guild strike is now happening, and there couldn't be a better topic for us to talk about art and money than what's going on on both these strikes. It's so exciting that for the first time in like 60 years, the WGA and SAG are striking at the same time. And out of that, a lot of things will change in the business and rightfully need to, like out of the 60s, a ton. That's how we got kind of the beginning of independent cinema. We got, it changed a lot of things. And it's so kind of exciting to see everyone coming together to like fight back against the studios. Cause that's what needs to happen. Like, you know, we th we've talked about this all the time, but like, when I look at these strikes, it's very clear the studios have made a series of bad decisions and bets on streaming and content and dumping all their money. And all they're trying to do is pass the blame. The executives are trying to put it on the actors. They're trying to put it on the writers, say they're asking for too much or all these things. And it couldn't be less true. Like it's, they gamble, they continue to take giant salaries. Meanwhile, actors and writers are struggling to get by uh, even when they have big successes, like there was a recent New Yorker article on Orange is the New Black that I found really fascinating because it talked about how Orange is the New Black was like that show that kind of launched Netflix as a real place where you, you know, it was House of Cards and then Orange is the New Black were like the same summer. And that was like when everyone was like, oh, I need to pay attention to streaming shows. There's good stuff on here. And that was a huge hit. And half the actors on it could barely afford to be on it. They were paying, they're they being paid so little. They're being, paid, even though like it's, being watched by hundreds of millions of people worldwide none of that's being given back to the actors none of that's giving back to the writers the studio's taking in all that money and just burning it up in different ways and finally everyone's like well this is not going to happen anymore and of course the studios are screaming well this is just unruly like I, it's been it's someone who's like forever fascinated by how much art and money run into each other this has just been an unbelievable couple months for me because just watching how the studio different, like you'll, if you watch like the articles being written by deadline, by variety, by ABC, all places owned by giant media conglomerates. Suddenly though, these headlines and articles are very unfavorably looking at the actors and writers. And it's not because it's a, you know, they're trying to be a balanced in their approach. It's because they're being forced to, 
by the giant media to talk about it this way. And that to me, that's where I'm like, they're scared. They're, this is like big change is really coming. And like, I, you know, I think one of the things that particularly with the, like the media is trying to say right now with this, that, now the writers, no one cares about, but actors are the cool kids right now. And so they, they're on the block and they're immediately trying to paint them as like, Oh, well, they're all just a bunch of rich people who want more. The studios are projecting there. Um, most actors, first off, even the big stars, their salaries have to be shared with 20, 20% with managers and agents. And the majority of actors in the Screen Actors Guild can barely afford the insurance they have to work, they have to do a year to keep that. So, like, it's not this giant, like, Hollywood star thing fighting. So, I mean, it's going to suck. We're going to lose content for a while. We're going to have really bad shows. It's going to hurt. A lot of friends are going to be out of work. I love myself, everyone. It's like, it's going to get really tense. But out of this, I think, is an insane growth that's coming. A lot of these studios are probably going to fold or get out or change how they do business. And for, you know, and so for me, like, this is like for our show, it's of such an exciting time. Um, well, I can go on talking about what I kind of know, but I actually have a guest today who couldn't be more of the perfect person to bring on, who's both an actor, a writer, and a producer, Victoria Vertuga. I'm sure I said that wrong. It, like, I feel like we is the perfect person to bring on to talk about our uh, what's going on right now with everything in media. Welcome. Thanks for, for having me. Of course. Um, so I'm sure you heard me ramble through there a bit of what's going on with SAG and all the strikes. And you've been on the picket lines all summer and finally in the heat. It was a little gloomy at the start of this. but Yeah, yeah. The heat has come. <laughs> Plenty of that right now. Well, then there was that story about them cutting all the tree lines. Speaking oh my of God, war. So, so petty, the level of petty. So yeah, I don't know. They, the result of that was they found that they did not get a permit. It was not a proper thing. It was clearly yeah. done, as we suspected, just to be dicks. Yeah. They can. And, just the level, and so now they've we've shamed them, basically. I mean, the good thing about this strike compared to the strike, you know, the last writer's strike in, in 07, 08 is um, we have social media, you know, so we can put people on blast and news can yeah. spread. And so we can hold people accountable in a way that I think wasn't as easy to do back then. So that's one, one of the best things for it is that like no one can get away with stuff. So Universal actually put pop-up tents now uh, next to the trees because they're like, we've shamed them to their whatever. But prior to that, even, I don't know if you know that, prior to the gate, as we're calling it, there was, yeah. um, they had started doing construction a week into the writer's strike and shut down all the sidewalks conveniently over the gates where we were all were picketing. So, I mean, this is not like the level of petty coming out is just pretty unbelievable. I mean, like, I always know they're terrible, but it's yes. just like amazing that like every step of the way they want to let you know yes. how terrible they are. It's exactly. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, and one of the crazy things too is like how they've outed themselves sometimes. Like the quotes coming out of them or the things that yeah. they're saying. I'm like, you guys are outing yourselves as like evil villains. Like in what world is that a good look? You know, but it's just zero awareness, like completely tone deaf. Um, so many things. I mean, you know, Bob Iger's statements a while ago, last yeah. week, whatever that was, you know, about yeah, yeah, how we're unrealistic and and we're we're how dare we disrupt everything? And you know, it's like it's a labor, it's a it's a strike. <laughs> it's meant to be disruptive. We're like that is how they work by disrupting the system. Like, you know, just throwing them even all, every statement they've released, you know, since the strike is just throwing all the blame. It's so unfortunate that SAG has chosen to do this and put all these people out of work. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, like the narrative is so blatantly. And inaccurate you know well and i wanted to go a bunch of different directions with you on that but yeah, yeah. Like the, the way that like just the like the initial rejection of the the most recent contract where it was like as simple as things like you have to pay on time or pay meal a penalty breaks. yeah meal meal days, paying on time <laughs> like these are things self-tape like allowing weekends and holidays not to count for the self-tape like we're trying to get some parameters around self -tape. Sure. there's been such craziness around that so like you guys can't even agree to the most simple basic things that don't even really cost you much money like, yeah, you know that's I mean? that's the thing that's really been getting me, which, which makes it feel like it's part of a bigger movement in the, yes. so many ways is like, this is like, you won't even agree to human things, let alone like the thing I was shocked about. I don't, I'm sure you've heard the the AI background actors where they were like scanning actors to, for a hundred dollars. Like yeah. wage and then like yeah. forever and ever in life. Yeah, great. That sounds super fair. I mean. <laughs> I just yeah, like it's so what is the mood like on the lines? Like to yeah, you, the like, mood is. I mean, I've been on the lines like like a lot of actors um, yeah. since the, the WJ went on strike. Yeah. Um, so I've been there, you know, since the beginning. It, the mood is is good. You know, it, it's crazy. It, the energy's high. Spirits are high. Solidarity yeah. is real. People are, you know, 
out there doing it. Everyone's together. Everyone's helpful. Like people are really stepping up and, you know, tons of donations of food and drinks and stuff from showrunners and people and yeah. actors and everybody. And it's, it's great. I mean, the mood is good. People are in this for the long haul. We understand what's at stake here. We understand yeah. that in order to have meaningful change happen, this is what needs to go down. You know, the last yeah. time that the two unions struck together is responsible for us having health insurance is responsible for us having residuals. Um, <laughs> Huge, huge changes, right? And so th those changes don't happen without huge steps being taken to, to right. get those changes. So that's what we're that's what we're doing right now. So I think people really understand that and are in it for the long haul. And the the spirit is definitely high, you know. Yeah, because it, it and like it also helps when they're so cartoonishly evil. Like they yes! like it's, it's just like it just it galvanizes. Like every time I'm like, do I want to go down there? Do I want to go to the Writers Guild picket line? Right. Oh, oh Jesus, they're gonna be cartoon level Scrooge McDuck's diving into money. Like it's staggering crazy that's what i'm saying like some of the quotes that have come out the things and even like just recently like um Ted Sarandos, you know netflix ceo his whole spiel about my dad was a union guy he was a union electrician and whatever it's like oh congratulations so i'm sure you dad's like what does that have to do with anything so if any like yeah. i support unions, it's just not ones that affect my yeah, business directly exactly. i support unions in theory just not going to give you anything that you're asking for so you guys can have a living wage but you know go unions my dad was a proud union man like yeah tone deaf like whatever and the thing like for me it's like i i'm my biggest hope of all of it is like this is the big flashpoint right it's, it's tv yes. it's media it's all these things but like strikes need to happen all over the place against the corruptions run by and like if the writers and the actors also as a director watching the dga just fold and not go like what are you doing anyways like if the, you knew the other two were going to go on strike like what exactly are you doing on historically they've never they, they they're not a like guild one but, hour ever in history there i mean i don't think anybody was really expecting the dga to that's just not what they're that's yeah not what they do. but i'm with you i think i think imagine imagine how much even more it's just a better talking point free. like yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, what are you doing on set exactly if the writers and the right. actors Right, if there's are no there. writers, if there's no, yeah, scripts to produce, direct, yeah. and there's no actors to direct, what exactly are you going to be directing? What yeah. is, and yeah, what is the point of, like, even being in this business if it's this fucked? Like, I mean, there's no other way to describe how, I've really, the last decade since, like, Netflix is streaming, it's just, like, the reason, like, just watching all my actors, like, you know, like, when you go through, like, it's just, like, there's this explosion of, like, roles and opportunities but none of it pays better. And now you're like the self tapes. Like, I, can you talk, uh, I, I know, like yeah. talk a little bit like how self tapes are a nightmare for an actor. Yeah. So, yeah. so self tapes, um, some markets, like I, I've worked in the Southeast market a little yeah. for a while, for a few years, and we had self tapes prior to COVID because uh, it's such a large area. Right. So they just do self tapes because it's easier to, to kind of, uh, get tapes from that whole southwest west southeast region so then when COVID happened obviously nobody was able to be in person casting offices were closed so they started adopting self-tapes so now it is the norm it is the norm no matter where you are we i can't mm. tell you the last time i had an in-person audition some <laughs> commercials have started coming back but like theatrical i can't even tell you the last time i was in person it's all self-tapes and this what this looks like is getting a tape a self-tape request on Friday night at like 6, 12 p.m. for 14 pages that they want you to do two takes of each scene. So it's like four or five scenes, 14 pages, two takes of each. Do a Sunday night or a Monday morning. Mm. So that means like casting gets to enjoy their weekend. Producers get to enjoy their weekend. Everybody else gets to enjoy their weekend. But actors are spent busting our butts getting these tapes in, you know, in yeah. that ridiculous amount of time. So they're trying to – one of the things that, that – one of the issues that the union is trying to fight for is having some protections around these self tapes, which the UK equity union has already done, meaning oh, like wow. a, a max on the number of pages. And more importantly, I think even like a, the, a, a minimum amount of time you're given to yeah. turn it around because you get these last minute next morning things. I mean, sometimes you have less than 12 hours to get these in. It's crazy. And not only that, but so now we, okay. So the good thing is, yeah, we get to control the tape. We get to do it as, do as many takes as we want and send it in. That's great. Yeah. You don't have to sit in traffic. That's also great. However, you have to pay to have the equipment. You know, you have to have your ring light and your backdrop and everything set up in your home and your apartment. I think what's one of the things yeah. I've seen coming out, you know, during the strike is actors showing their spaces because this idea that we're all rich and gajillionaires, you know, people right. showing their <laughs> tape set up in their bathroom or their closet or whatever that they just have to leave up all the time or break down and put back and all that stuff. We have to pay to have somebody read opposite us unless we can convince our significant other or roommate or grandmother to do it and drive them crazy with all the auditions <laughs> we have and all the times they have to read. So now you're looking at the cost of the equipment. You're looking at the cost of having someone read with you. You're looking at these ridiculous page amounts. You're looking at the ridiculous turnaround times. Also, one of the, I mean, you can look at this as good and bad. One of the, the changes is that casting now see, sees a lot more actors and they receive a lot more tapes, which is good mm -hmm. on the one hand, if they're actually watching them. And 
if you actually have a chance at the thing you're auditioning for. Because I mean, sometimes right. these these are I like I, even when I used to be in the room. Like yeah. I remember one audition I had in the room, and they were literally took a phone call while I was auditioning to talk about the yeah. offer they had put out to, for the name person for the role while I'm auditioning. You yeah. know, so yep. it's all, all the time. So sometimes these self tapes requests are going out when they have you know multiple offers out. They know none of these people are even going to get the role, so you don't know casting's watching your tape or not. Also, now your chances are went from like one in twenty to one in I don't know five hundred. Yep. And and how is casting possibly? I mean, I'm no shade of casting. They're doing their best and they're doing their job. But like, there's no way that they're actually watching that many tapes if they're getting that many. And you just can't. There's not enough hours in the day for the turnaround right. time. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like these, and these- that's uh, and then if you get even if you book the role or the series yeah. of callbacks you have to do, you're not going to be paid like a fair rate. And even like and like we were talking earlier, it's like even then if it's a hit. You're not going to see any of that, and you're just like not to mention all the work effort you put in emotionally to do the self tape. You yeah, know, like exactly. Sometimes exactly. it's a fun so, scene. Yeah, yeah, totally. And like, we're not saying we don't like. I, I get it. Sometimes do have it. I fully admit they have some advantages and they have some disadvantages. But what we're asking for is just some a little bit of courtesy and protection around the requirements in terms of the ridiculous page content, the ridiculous mm. turnaround time. Sometimes we'll ask you like, please do this in your car. Please do this in your kitchen. Please use X, Y, and Z props. Like, dude, I'm not producing a fully thing <laughs> for you. This is an audition tape, right? Like, you never asked me to do that in the casting office. Like, please bring your whole wardrobe and bring an extra machine and did it. The, like the 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 asks have gotten out of hand so we're just asking for some protections in terms of like this is what it is which is an audition tape i shouldn't have right. to do props i shouldn't have to put myself in period wardrobe like i shouldn't have to memorize 22 pages that are due tomorrow like you know what i'm saying these are these yeah. are ridiculous asks so yeah the fact that that even they couldn't even like agree to to basic things on that like is, is yeah. on time they were just flat out said no yeah. we understand it's annoying but no yeah no sorry <laughs> sorry i can't I like, do that i know it's basically like in, in violation of your contract but we're just not gonna pay you on time that's just like not gonna happen yeah it's i know it's it's it was like reading just like every no was very funny to me because i was just like and they go to the self-tape thing there's that it's going viral again because of the strike but that clip of like some actor like lucas gage or something where like a producer's like Ugh, I'm so tired of looking at poor people's apartments while looking like they're doing like live Zoom auditions. He like was off, didn't realize he was still on mic when he said he it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, right. that's exactly what they think, but the actors are the villains in this right. short. Right, sure. we're, we're the unreasonable ones. Yeah, and then as far as like, I mean, there's just been seismic shifts for everybody in the industry since the the onset of streaming. Yeah. So you used to, if you were on a network TV show, you know, like a hit show on Fox or NBC or ABC or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you could make 10,000, 20 plus, all the way up to, you know, $100,000 of residuals, depending on how many episodes right. are and how, many, how often those popular those episodes are and how often yeah. they air. So most actors are making the bulk of their money from those residuals. So mm-hmm. now that's a eliminated with streaming like there are no there are no residuals so you're on a huge hit show and you're not seeing any of that money and i think what's one of the things that's been like i mean tragic and awful but also really kind of uh cool to see is like I think so much of us in this business, we spend so much time uh, painting a picture of like our best, brightest self and like right. you know, your best reality of everything is all great. And I think that that mask has just fallen for everybody. And they're being like, look, this is what I'm really making. This is what I really did. This is what it really looks like. And we can all just be honest with it and see. And I mean, some of these numbers are staggering. You're like, yeah. you were on this show and you made this amount of money. It's like unbelievable, right? You can't possibly live off that money. And, and Lord knows everybody else is making money off of that. So you know, people, there's money there. Like clearly oh, there's. Yeah. Like, it was money before streaming. It doesn't mean people like, like all yes. it did was create, there's more availability. So there has to be more money. Yes, like exactly. So, I mean, sure, certainly their shareholders are making money. Right. So yeah. like, it's just, it's, that's the thing though. We've shifted to, to it, the, the, the priorities and the goals and stuff are very different. Cause it's all about, you know, stock price and shareholder value, stock price and shareholder value. It's not about the content creators. It's not about fostering relationships. It's not about uh, a lot, creating something that is sustainable for everybody involved in the project to get rich off of. And then, you know, that leading to more projects and more things right. and whatever it's like, that has all gone out the window. So yeah, we're in a, in a very interesting time and things definitely need to change. So And like, and the thing I find like, the, is like, it's money taking advantage of like, we all want to do this, right? Like we're all art, like artists and what you like, you're dying to do, put yourself into these things. And they're like, 
yeah, we'll pay you nothing for it. And we'll take all. And you should be so grateful to even have the chance. I mean, that was one of the earlier quotes that pissed me off so bad, mm. like very early into the writer's strike where they were like, I think mm. writers love of work will bring them back to the negotiating table. It's like, how fucked is that? Can I cuss on the show? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, you can absolutely cuss. Yeah. How totally fucked is that? Like you're banking on the fact that people love what they do and therefore they're just going to settle for any scraps you want to throw at them. Are you kidding me? Like that is such a janky way to do business. That's such a terrible way to look at it. You know, it's, yeah. it's also so interesting. I, I don't know if you feel this way because, you know, I'm also yeah. an indie producer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember feeling this way when Yahtzee almost struck when I was uh, filming my la one of my last projects. Yeah. Uh, like the, the conditions that they are putting people in and the things that these huge studios with all this money are asking are things I have never and would never do yeah. to anyone involved in any project I'm working on because I want people to like working with me. I respect, yes. I respect the people I work with. I want to pay them as much as I possibly can. I want people to be happy and be able to <laughs> make a living and want to work with me again and treat get them with seven hours of sleep, maybe and get like sleep and come to set the next day and be happy and healthy. And like, I would never do these things. And I'm like, I with like my shoestring budgets that I'm, you know, scrapping together to make these projects. If I am able to, you know, have these minimums and the, the things that the way that I'm treating people and the, the hours and the breaks in between and the meal times and the this and that, if I can do that with no money, you fuckers can do that with all the money that you have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like that for it. There's literally it, none. Well, that's what we were talking earlier about. Like the SAG is gonna allow waivers to indie productions to make stuff because it sort of proves the point to the studios. It's like these people with no money and not Disney behind them are able to do, meet all our rules. Why can't you? Like, there's no right. excuse. Right, it's, exactly. Uh, um, okay, well, I want to shift and talk about why did you get, like, we talked about all the negative things in our business, yeah. but like, how did you get into acting? What do you, like, why, like, what drew you? How, what do you love about it? Yeah, so I've, I've, I love story, right? I'm a storyteller. That's why mm. I, I love all the different ways that I do it and all the different things. So I love just the, power that story has to help us understand life, right? It's kind of how we make mm. sense of our world and our human experience. It's it's what brings us together. It, mm. it It's what moves us and it's how we like identify with things. And I just mm. think the power of storytelling is so visceral and real. And it's just amazing to be a part of that, whether, you know, I'm writing or acting or directing or whatever I'm doing. I just love the process of storytelling and bringing something to life. I think it's such a beautiful, powerful thing. And we really see how important it is. Um, there's, there's like studies on or just whatever, anthropologically, yeah, yeah. we found that when our basic needs as humans are met, you know, so food, water, shelter. Yeah. The first thing that people do is turn to storytelling. Like that's the next thing. Once your basic needs are met, yeah. the next thing is like story, right? And entertainment and shows and pa like pass down verbal stories and all these things. So yeah. that's how important it is, right? We really saw that during the pandemic as well, how much people turn to entertainment to, you know, yep. as a form of escapism, as a form of coping or whatever it is. So I just really do believe that it is like one of the beautiful professions and just like such a powerful, meaningful thing to pursue that's so it's so true because like every time like we we've both been in this business a while and like you hit up certain points early like where i was like i'm out i can't do this anymore i'm gonna go get a normal job and like actually have savings and like health insurance and i'll do it and i'll do it for a few months and i immediately my brain's like oh i'm saving i can do a short now i can I, like your brain just goes right back like it's like as soon as you give yourself that comfort I'm immediately my brain is like okay time to make a short though time to do a few yes things. I, like, I, think when like, you're, I think when you're a creative like that you yeah. need it like the need to create is there so sometimes i think the outlet that we use to create changes but that need mm. to create is always yeah. there you can't squash it as much as we wish we could sometimes i'm always like i'm gonna sell oh so, like soap on etsy yeah, it, this, you know yeah but like uh yeah i love it i can't you know you can't step away from it like i think i would always write i would always do something no matter what you know so when did you, like, you were always, so when did you start going, okay, I'm an actor, I write, when do you were like, I need to put my hands on and just make my own stuff? Was there like a moment that happened for you? Yeah, I think it was like a lot of people who start out acting and then, you know, delve into terrible writing. roles. Yeah. Yes, I think there's that that moment of frustration where you're like the opportunities you know that I'm receiving are not things that are lighting me up inside, right? I, I say I think in my yeah. bio I'm like I got sick of playing hot blonde, dumb blonde, and hot dumb blonde. Like <laughs> how many times can I do those things? So I was just really frustrated. I'm, I'm somebody who I think in general frustration really drives me. I'm like fuck it, nah, and then I like you know act. So yeah. I was just getting really frustrated with the lack of opportunities lack of quality roles, all that kind of stuff. So I've always been a writer, not a screenwriter, yeah. but I've always been a writer. I always wrote poems and songs and short stories and stuff um, like my whole life. So 
I was like, all right, let's delve into screenwriting, which is a very yeah. demanding, exacting uh, form, I will say. Uh, so I have been writing since I think like 2015 is when I started. Amazing. I'm screenwriting, that is. Yeah. So yeah. I, I immediately I did a couple shorts. I did pilots. I did web series. I had features. So, yeah, I'm always uh, I don't sit still well. So I'm always working on many things. I want to ask you this because, like, so me and Victoria met at the Horror Hound Festival in Cincinnati, and she, we're going to talk about her movie because she had a fantastic movie. Was it? It wasn't the premiere. There, it, was the it was. It was. It was. It was the premiere. Yes. Um, but like you, like we immediately hit it off because like we have the same. Like you just have to jump in. You have to take control and go after these things. What kind of product do you prefer? Or is it what like you know web series, TV, movie? What would you like if you had your dream of yes. doing, what what is it is it movies okay, is it tv it's tv for sure i would love to be a writer creator star i would love to be you know like a Issa ray a phoebe waller bridge uh mindy kaling whoever i love yeah. it that would be my ultimate favorite thing because then i'm getting to do like all the things i like uh and it's very much like my voice and my jam and my whatever so that that would be definitely it i'm also just the he says the girl who does a lot of feature films. I watch way more TV than I watch movies, I will fully admit. Also, because yeah. like I'm not a Marvel lover. I'm not a lover of like the stuff that's yeah. out right now. It's like so the same old, same old, same old. So I love TV. Like binging a, a great TV series is my jam. I like to be in the story for longer. So I like that TV provides you with, you know, more time to delve into the characters and more mm. more things to do, more risks to take with your storytelling. You know, a feature film mm. is like you got what 90 pages to get it done. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, I really prefer the the form of television just in general. Not to say I don't love movies. Obviously, I do. But yeah, um, yeah that that I think was fun. But what I will say, like, a web series was really cool because, you know, the, the structure of TV and film is so exacting and so specific. And you have yeah. to, like, really nail that down. With a web series, you kind of have more freedom to do whatever you want. So I really did enjoy making my web series because I could just, like, kind of <laughs> make each episode whatever I wanted to make it. Um, and, and it gave me a little bit more like flexibility and freedom in the storytelling, which I really enjoyed. So that was very yeah. fun. But yeah, my no, ultimate, I, ultimate would be writers, uh, creator, star. Yeah, of a series. That's I, that, that felt that feels right. I feel like that, yeah. that matches your energy. Yeah, yeah. I do miss like I started out in web series because it was like you know oh eight oh nine like when everyone was like what's a web yeah. series yeah yeah and like you were like a web series you can sell you could at the time you could sell anyone on it because they're like this is the new TV and it's like. No, but like you could do all these like kind of fun, weird, creative yes. stories, right? Like you could, it would allow like, you know, you could just try shit. Like that's what I feel like yes. even TV gives you because you have so many episodes, you can at least try a little bit where movies, it's like, you really do have to like, it's like, it's what I love about them, but like there's way less room for experimentation. Totally agree. Totally agree. Cause like, you really have to hit what you have to hit. And you have like, it's, it's such an art form of scarcity, right? Every word yeah. matters, everything matters. And so you like just really have to make it all count so yeah i agree the fun, the freedom is fun to play with you know in some of the other genres yeah. a little more flexibility to take risks and do creative things and yeah experiment are you um are you working on something right now i mean like i'm gonna want to talk about cold blows the wind but like yeah was, yeah was... so i have a few scripts that i'm uh writing and polishing up and I, ideas that i'm percolating and all that kind of stuff so i have a few things uh i have some always you know completed stuff as well but then i have some some new things i'm tinkering with um as mm. well so yeah some pilots and some features yeah that's exciting okay yeah. so i want to talk about your movie because like one it's it's a blast it's so Thanks. much fun um and i like well i'm gonna set you up here like how did you pull that off for what i know had it didn't feel like a low budget movie but having heard some of the behind the scenes stories like like and you did it during the pandemic so like tell tell them about cold blows the wind first like, yeah like, so that was a movie that we shot at the end of um it's at the end of 2021 it's currently on the, its festival circuit um we were going to shoot it earlier uh, in the pandemic, but the pandemic happened and we were all locked down. And so sure. it got pushed. Um, so I actually made another project during that time. But yes. Uh, so we just, you know, scrappiness like that movie. Tried to or you can't sit still is also. Yes, I can't sit still. I cannot sit still. So <laughs> Cold Was the Wind was one of those projects where and I've been really lucky in my past projects. I will say, like, I've had pretty smooth sailing on my sets, like no yeah. crazy disasters, like things have gone pretty well. This project tried to kill me from the beginning. So two weeks before we started production, our location burned down. I, I don't know. So, so, we so it had, was a house you were going to fill? Was it a friend's house? Was, uh, no, no. It was, oh, a, okay. it was a house. It was out in um, kind of, where is it? Like Somar, like whatever. The okay. canyons in LA. And so yeah. you no know, fires happened. So yeah, yeah oh a fire God. happened and they their house burned down. The house that we're going to film in burned down. So, okay. So now we're scrambling. We have everything set, right? We've got yeah. a location. So we somehow did, which <laughs> 
actually ended up being a really amazing location. So yay for that. But it looks great on camera. Yeah, it looks fantastic. And she was, it was great. We're we're actually probably end up working better, honestly, than the original location. You know, that's a blessing, but we had to film around. She had a bunch of like one and two day shoots of like, there's like some TV shows that film there and some uh, music videos and commercials and stuff. So we had like a wacky, like, you know, whacked out shoot schedule. We had like four days on and two days off and three days on and one day off and just, you know, making it happen around her existing shoot dates. And then we had to like wrap up all of our gear every the end of our blocks every time to make get it out of the way get it out of there for the new crew to come in so, so that was so like people like just like a feature is hard enough a feature to on a low budget is incredibly difficult but to yes. wrap out and then come back in and then wrap out it's like exhausting it's so that was like that was oh my god those nights when like it was the end of the block we had to load up the the you know the grip truck and yeah, do all that yeah. i was like we were there like an extra two hours and our our grip god bless him he's he's amazing he's um, an M- emmy winning dp in his own right he's freaking fantastic wow. but he's very meticulous so like <laughs> everything had its order that we like the order we had to wrap the way we had to do all the wrapping and the order we had to put it in the truck and it just like took forever so it just added like you know hours to your <laughs> to your day, day course, yeah. <laughs> yeah and so we had such such adventures as okay so location burning down we had not a bad open for you at all like I'm yeah like, no like, not at all not at all we had um like uh we had light uh like it was really cool actually the the visuals are great the first our first night there was a thunderstorm and there was lightning and lightning hit a tree mm. so we had a little mini uh another fire yeah. that we, had <laughs> we had a cat get stuck in our grip truck like somehow find its way in while we were filming and get and then like a pissed off cat like go crazy yeah. in the truck and like you know poop and pee on everything and like destroy much shit so that was fun and exciting we had a flood because unbeknownst to us there was like a pipe like yay deep under the ground and we were like uh breaking oh it i didn't it. know about the flood that's that was our last day of filming a flood so we literally had to spend two hours scooping like figuring out how to turn the water off and like it's like two in the morning and we're like because it was all night shoots this, this, this yeah. film was entirely night shoots so yeah we're like also what? exhausting for indie films is like yes, getting everyone totally uh, so we, oh my God. Anyway, I'm like amazed that we were able to like get that stuff. That was like the scene, the, the, that was the day we were doing like all the stunts and the fight scenes and stuff like that on that yeah. day. So, oh, no. But we got it done. We made it like looking at the movie, you would never know. But yeah, I was like, this movie is going to kill me. I think when we were done filming, I was like, in, <laughs> since I came home and I was like in a coma, I, I binge watched Made. On Hell yeah. <laughs> I just like sat in front of it and binged it like in a coma for like a day, just whatever. And then I was like back to my normal self the next day. He's like, I figured you needed like just whatever. <laughs> yeah, you do. I mean, the collapse after a bar- big project is real and oh, everything but like there's something so real. but but like film and tv like because you like you just can't st- like i mean my uh producer and a cinematographer i work with a lot we have like a phrase called you can't kill an indie feature it doesn't matter once it's in motion you cannot stop it doesn't matter like biblical you face biblical plague level stuff and you're just like well whatever we're gonna make our day tomorrow like it's just that yeah, train you make it happen. You just yeah. you just put one foot in front of the other and you make it happen. And it's funny because we had all this stuff going on and there's like other we had all this stuff going on, and people at the end were like, "Oh, this is like one of the most fun sets I've ever been on." Like, I'd, and I'm like, "Thank God!" Like they they had no idea I was going home yeah. and having like a panic attack every night. You know what I mean? Like they had it was just people how still had fun. Know, it was how do they not know set. Victoria? I I I had same thing on my shoot. My end of my short, the writer was supposed to have a completely different ending. Anything that could go wrong that day went wrong. And I recently was talking to the sound person, like, oh, that was like my favorite day of, on set ever. And I was like, yes, where were you? <laughs> yeah, but it's just good. It's good because like, that makes me so no, happy. No, you want that. Like, yeah. I was able to like keep a fun tone, even though like I'm secretly losing my mind. You know, like it's. Yeah. I'm so happy that people say that. But yeah, it is funny. You're like, you're like, I'm over here like in a cold sweat, like uh, trying, trying to. You're like, happen. now we have to you're shoot like, ten pages in one. Yes. Okay. Oh, great. Oh, that's yes. it. Yeah, it's it yep. never. I guess we're addicted to that is the thing I always I worry about. Like, that's what I'm like, would I be even able to function if everything was just like, I, I get to do commercials and sometimes those are just like a pretty normal set. Yes. And like, you're like, Oh, I don't really know what to do with myself because I'm yeah, used to just like, time. you do that. Smoothly you're like, what? Oh, we have, we have 12 hours to do five shots. Well, exactly. <laughs> oh, how will we ever get it done? Huh? Yeah. And you know what? Here. You always come down to the end and it's rushing. Like it doesn't, it doesn't like, I don't like, we all need a better executive. And what's funny too, I think is like, it's funny when I first decided I wanted to get into acting, I yeah. met with like a family friend who's an actress, a working actress. And she told me like, this is what it is. Meaning the tier, like the level of the projects you're doing changes and like the money yeah. changes and like the, the, the growth of like what you're doing in your career changes. Yeah. But, like, this, like the grind and the, this is what it is 
yeah. always. And I feel like the same thing applies with filmmaking, right? It doesn't matter yeah. what, like how much money they have. They're always trying to stretch a dollar. You're always yeah. trying to, you know, it's always chaos. Like it, yeah. that is filmmaking. Like it is creative problem solving, no matter how much money you have. So I think the being able to do it on an indie scale really sets you up well because it's really the same whether you have three hundred thousand dollar budget or a three million dollar budget or a thirty million dollar right. budget. It's the same thing. You know, you have more people on your cast and crew list, but like the creative problem solving is gonna, yeah. you know, you got that you're gonna is- run into a problem. No, like uh, like even on indie levels, I'll, I've been on somewhere like the budget doubled, and you're just yes. like, this is great, but also like we just created more headaches. Some like it just doesn't right. like you adding more people sometimes is you're just like. It's benefits and hopefully it shows up on screen, but you're just like, it's still going to be a, now you got to figure out where to park a truck on a residential street or. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Like the, those, those issues will arise no matter what. So I think it's like, it's just important to keep in mind. I always try to remember and remind my like cast and crew that like, we love doing this, right? That's why we're doing it. We love it. And we get to play, like we get to do this today. So like, how lucky are we? And then like all the little problems, like, yeah, shit's going to go wrong. It's yeah. okay. You're gonna figure it out. You're gonna get through it. Like yeah. it's still like a, a such a blessing to be able to do this. Which is you know going back to earlier thing. That's like why yeah. they know we love this. That's why the studios are trying to yeah, yeah. love for us, right? They want to explore us. Yeah. Like, but yeah, that love is so important. I think to like be connected to that and be like, I, you know, have the, that present on your set. The line I always like. I I think it was Seinfeld. It was like, find the torture you love, and like that. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, because every time I start like a project, they're like, oh, "Do I want to do this?" Because you just, I've, I, I don't know if you, because you're deep in it up from all ends. I w- often at the beginning of my projects, I'm a producer, so I can bring on a producer, right? Yes. And so I find myself when I'm writing, I start capping things. I'm like, no, it's gonna be always. Do you do that too? Okay, I, yeah. My favorite is when I get when I get hired to write something where I, yeah. I'm not making it because it's not my problem. I'm like, yep. oh, I'm writing all this shit in here. Like, good yeah. luck figuring out how to pay for this, bitches. Like, not yeah. my problem. When I'm writing, I like sometimes I have to turn it off though. I'm like, producer Vic, shut up. Like, I gotta <laughs> yeah. be and write right now. Let me worry about that later. But like, you can't turn off the producer and it's like we can't. No. Put, we, that's gonna require 15 extras. We can't put that in there. How can I change this, this location to whatever? Like, we can't afford this. Do they need lines? Do they? Yeah, yes. they don't, yeah. You're like yes, seven people yes. in the scene. Why, Justin? Make it four. Like, just exactly. <laughs> you like you can't stop your producer brain from like editing the writing I, totally that is a thing that is a million percent and that is where like money starts kicking it like that's what's so fascinating about film and tv is like it's so connected to the, the art and money thing because money is such a key part like painting you can paint like you know like we're our thing takes sucks up so much money yeah so much money i mean it is yeah. absurd if you think about what you could do with the money like what else you could do with that money you know what i mean yeah. like because i mean all like the lowest of low budget films is still so much money objectively. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And even just like looking at like an indie, like a low budget film in Hollywood is like under 15, like $15 million. Yeah. Like in (laughs) what other realm is $15 million, like a little bit amount. This is a, is a pet peeve that I'll share with you. I cannot stand when big budget movies and I 15 up. I remember in particular, Darren Darren Aronofsky talking about, I think it was Noah. And he was yes. like, we made this movie to create awareness about environmentalism. Like, you could have just taken 90 million and give it and to given the, it to like a million charities. <laughs> yeah, right? like why yes. you made this movie because you wanted to make this movie. Don't put any other bullshit thing on 100%. it. Hundred like, <laughs> percent. Yes. Yeah. And there's always like, yeah, totally. I'm not gonna lie, like I totally have some Catholic. Oh, I say that too, of course. Like it's it about helps it. Sells We're it. like, oh, this money, like, oh, would it be better used doing something else? You know what I mean? Like I constantly have to I constantly struggle with that. So, it's yeah. a compulsion. Like we can't stop ourselves and they and people want to consume things so yes. it's a balance like we're we get the sickness they get the benefit of us doing it hopefully it's good like that's yes. okay i wanted to ask you so you're on these sets often a producer yeah a writer sometimes directing but i know with cobbles when you had a director yes starring in it sometimes yes. not wearing a lot of clothes how do you switch roles and like just like is it hard for you like or do you have a thing it's- you do it's funny, no, I but I really had to learn that on my first project. Like I had to learn how. Was that Lexi or was that no, no, before that? Uh, oh, okay. way back when my my yeah. my um uh, it was a pilot actually it was like a half hour oh. pilot that I did. Yeah. Um. So what I what I do is I just like take care of my acting way yeah. early. Like I wait like in terms of like doing my prep work as an actress, I take sure. it, I take care of it way early so that it's in my body, it's done, I have it. Like I'm also really fortunate. I'm a very um. I'm like a very quick learner. Like things don't take me that long in general. Yeah. So I, I'm very blessed that way. Like, so yeah, so I do my work as an actress 
as early as humanly possible, right? Then that's right. done. I don't have to worry about that. So then when I'm on set, I can jump in, drop into that, no problem. Because if you don't do it before, you're never gonna have time to do it. Like the the producerly tasks will they'll come for you. All your time. Do you know what I mean? All that stuff will take all of your time. So I really had to learn like the process that works for me. Um and like so even I was really proud that even with Global's one with everything going wrong, like I was still able yeah. to give a solid performance as an actress. Like I didn't let it affect my acting. Um, because I've learned that, you know, and now I have it down and I'm good. Like I but it was something I had to learn. So yeah, so as if I'm so if I'm acting in it, then I have to do my acting work like way ahead of time. If I'm directing, I really have to make sure I have a kick-ass DP because yeah. they're gonna be covered saving my butt, right? They're gonna be like, hey Vic, like I'm sure you don't want this coverage over here or whatever. Like they're yeah, gonna yeah. be calling me out and making sure I have the shots. Like, like I obviously I'm same thing with preparation as a director. I have yeah, my yeah. shot list, I have my stuff, I have everything worked out way in advance. But even mm -hmm. still on set, you know how it goes. Like you never have quite enough time and whatever. So it's like how can we creatively problem solve and get what we need and what can we cut and whatever so having a really good dp is huge because obviously if i'm bouncing back and forth from in front of the camera and behind the camera i gotta have somebody who can who can help me out on that in that regard um yeah and one interesting thing that happened for me too is like i think as an actor i used to get a little nervous every time i book a job to be on set like mm -hmm. oh my god you know whatever just a little bit of butterflies i yeah, think it's yeah. totally normal but when i started writing producing directing all the other things now when i get hired just to act i'm like like all I gotta do is show up and do one thing. Like you know, things go wrong on set, and I'm like, not my problem. Like it's it feels so like nothing that that I don't mean it like nothing, but it just feels yeah, so, no. like, doable because I'm so used to wearing so many hats and doing so many things that like just acting is like such a luxury. So it, it's made it so like I'm never nervous on set anymore. I'm like, oh, I just gotta show up and act. Like no yeah, I, I I just picture you on set with like a makeup wound on your like neck or something while asking someone to fill out paperwork. Before That's you literally it. Really... No, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Like like yeah, getting prosthetics done while I'm like you know having people sign forms or like whatever. <laughs> totally, literally just doing all the things all the time. Um, yeah, it is it is challenging. It is definitely challenging. I think that yeah. is, you know, you again. So you have to protect yourself in that. You have to do all the prep you can as far in advance as you can so that you're organized and organized and ready to go. And then I think, you know, hiring really good people to support you as your team is, is so important. The more hats you're wearing, the more important it is to have people you can like lean on and rely on. So those are the lessons that I have like taken from it. And that's kind of how I've been able to make it work for myself. Um, but yeah, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy, but it is great. Cause I think also what's been really cool about this process for me is I think every little additional thing that I add just makes me better at whatever thing I do want to do or whatever yeah. thing I do. So like writing made me a way better actress, directing made me a better writer, you know, all, yeah. like, the more, you know, understand the editing process makes you a better director. Like the more, you know, about all the parts of the pieces of the puzzle and all the things that go to it, the better you are, at whatever thing you're doing and the better of a collaborator you are. Cause you understand how all the things fit together. You yeah. understand how everyone's job is now on set. I know how to be like, like I can be a very great actress as a collaborator because I know all the things. Like I know how I would yeah. want people to behave on my set. And I can, you know what I'm saying? You, right, you have all right. that knowledge, so it just makes you like a better collaborator in any slot that you end up doing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted before you go, I wanted to say, like, so how did Cold Blows the Wind, the initial concept come together? Like what was like the like impetus for the idea? Yeah, so that is actually, um, so I usually write with, uh, I often write with my writing partner, Eric, who's also yeah. a director as well. He's yeah. the one who directed Cold Blows the Wind. So this is actually a project yeah. he'd written um, oh, okay. in advance. Yeah, before we started working together. Um, and we had a couple scripts in the pipeline and things that we we're working on. And then we got um, an investor who had a very specific uh, dollar amount. And we were kind of combing through our projects to be like, oh, can we do it for, can we do this project for this amount of money? Um, and he had this script and we were like i think that that is like the easiest to produce for this amount of money like let's do it i yeah. i read it and like i'd given him notes on it and i loved the story i never really even thought of acting in it like i didn't read it and be like oh i gotta play tasha like it just was like a, a cool story yeah. and i loved the read um but it wasn't even something that i was like yes i i've got to play her uh but it just like fit really well into the thing and it was fun and doable within our budget so that's kind of how we decided no to it's do. it's a it's a really smart indie film and like again the thing that I, I think i told you this when i first saw it I was like there's this scene where you and the other actors sit down and you're on the couch and they just talk for seven minutes like now there's some stuff built around that but like yeah. it's really it's just a seven minute scene in the middle of a genre movie of two women talking and like yep. it felt transgressive especially when we watch so many other horror movies that weekend you're like you know what i haven't seen just two people connecting and like also you guys are really good actors in the scene so that adds to it but like i just the, it felt almost transgressive it's like one of my favorite totally. things yeah that's like my whole production company that's like i obviously i love things that are female driven with a female pov and, and i love subverting expectations and i love like breaking norms and barriers and whatever and like have so that is totally yes like that's one part of the things i love about it i also love how it's like two really shitty people and, and usually if you if you don't 
connect with the protagonist, like you don't have someone to root for, you're like not invested. But yeah. I, you still are invested, even though like you don't really like either of these people. They're not very right. good people. You're still like invested in the story. So that's like an interesting challenge, I think, as a performer and as an interesting challenge as a creator to to make a story compelling with people who aren't very likable, right? Um, so yeah. And so what? I mean, well, the one thing I wanted to say is like the other thing you're I'm talking to Victoria is like very clear is like even though you go through all the trouble to make the movie, get the money, get it made, go through cats ruining all your equipment and floods and a fire, the hardest part is still after the movie's done and getting it out yes. into the out in the world. So, wh what is it looking like? Is it going to be soon? People can see it or yeah, we're, so we're like we so we premiered in April um, at Whorehound, um, yeah. and so we're kind of there's there's some festivals we'll be in in the fall um so we are gonna like just you know do our festival run we have some offers and stuff on the table already uh but we're kind of gonna wait and see what all ends up shaking out you know by the time our festival run is done and then make our informed decision so um we also wouldn't want to release probably during the strike anyway yeah um, it feels... be done. i have a feeling it'll be like a next year situation um awesome early okay. next year probably so that is kind of what we're we're thinking we'll have to have you back on to like plug it and talk about yes, it yeah so so well, thank, yeah. you for, thank you for coming on and talking about all the different crazy sides of the business. And like, the, like I don't know, it's just like, it's so, it, it feels like such an exciting time in a weird way, even though like, it is, it's totally. terrifying financially for all of us. It's like, it's all going to lead to good things. And so yes. I, I really appreciate you coming on today to talk me. of it. All right. And I will talk to you soon. Yes. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Victoria. Bye. Bye. All right. Okay. So I am now going to change up our format from how we normally do anything. Normally, I go to my second favorite part other than the guests, which is the subgenres. But actually, these two kind of come together. So I want to talk about who won art this week. And so this week, uh, I want to talk about the Barbie movie. And the Barbie movie, while first off, I just want to run down. It's directed by Greta Gerwig, who I think is a wonderful director. She's made three films, all of them interesting. Her last two, Lady Bird and Little Women, I think are fantastic. She's an incredible director. But the thing that I loved about the Barbie movie is, like, one, it's art and money, right? It is literally being, it's IP, it's a toy that is being, they just want to sell more toys, but they gave it to an artist to see if they can make something really unique. And the honestly, the most exciting part that came out of it for me is the press tour for this movie. Like, I mean, the publicity that for the last two months of like everywhere they could combining Barbie, like, you know, I saw in Chicago when I was there last week, there's like a Barbie dream house set up. There's like the press and the media buying and the advertising is honestly almost probably better than the movie. I'm going in a couple hours to see the movie. But like, I think it to me, the way they have marketed this movie is like the most exciting way I've seen a movie like pushed out into the world and getting everyone excited and doing all the press and doing all these things since like, I don't know, the 90s, like uh, like Batman movies. Like it's like they are pushing it and they are being clever with it. And on top of that, they've also been able to do this weird combined thing with Oppenheimer, the big Christopher Nolan movie, which is calling it now going to lose the box office to Barbie. But... um. Oppenheimer, I think, the, like, the marketing campaign was so powerful for Barbie that it, it created this, like, vortex and pull that people who would never even think about seeing Oppenheimer were like, well, I gotta see both. You gotta go see both every week, and it's Barbieheimer. You know, like, this is, it. like, it was such a powerful um, marketing campaign that it's just like, I can't, I just can't get over how much Mattel and the studio got behind this movie and I, I grant you, it's because they want to sell shit and may have a big hit. But like as someone who loves movies and the promotionals around them, like the fact that it can, it's going to, it's had to have added $10 million to Oppenheimer's gross. And I think that's just so fascinating that these things can like feed off each other, particularly now in the social era where like, you know, they kind of fed into the, which one do you see first? Do you go see Barbara? Do you go see Oppenheimer? And also I, I just need to weigh in. You see Oppenheimer first because you always see the shorter movie last. Plus, it'll be a delight following it. But I just wanted to talk about how this IP-driven thing is able to create art on so many levels. It's going to help Oppenheimer, which seems like a much more of a personal passion project. It's going to let Greta Gerwig go to the next level as a fantastic director. It's getting people to go to the movies who might never go to the movies. And that's, in the end, something I'm always rooting for. For once, that's the only time I'm ever on the side of the studio is like, 
I love when people go see big budget movies in theaters because that's what I want to do. And so Barbie won art for me because it just kind of did it all. They pulled it off. Um, so that's who won art this week. But now, based off that, I want to talk about um, the subgenre this week, which is to me uh, what I'm calling like I, some of the best IP-based movies. And there's a lot out there, obviously. And I wanted to get into, I'm going to get into specifics here. But like, to me, IP is like something you wouldn't normally think of as worthwhile or like something that audience would care about. But people were like, hmm, maybe we can get them to buy in, right? So like, how you feel about Barbie doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go see the movie unless we can create something compelling that kind of connects. They're two, loving a toy and going to see a movie are two different things, unless you're like a fanatic. So for me, the first one I thought of was Pirates of the Caribbean from 2003. This movie is based on a theme park ride. It doesn't get any dumber than basing a movie on a theme park ride. When it was coming out, I'm. it was code of ridicule. They're like, you're really going to make a movie off a Disney ride? Like, And yet, I know he's canceled, and rightfully so. Johnny Depp created a, an iconic character in Jack Sparrow. Gore Vavrinsky is a fantastic visual director who just was allowed to like create this big pop masterpiece. And I, honestly, the first parts, the, all three parts of the Caribbean, some of the plots get ridiculous, but like some of the best visual action set pieces of any movie, it turned Kira Knightley, I think, into a really big star, Orlando Bloom. But like that was just a theme park ride that everyone was like, huh, we'll make uh we'll make uh we can make this into a movie and people are gonna get you know compelled by it. And on top of that, it's like kind of a screwball classic. Like, I mean, Johnny Depp, this, these are comedies. Like, I don't think I think one of the keys to taking IP and turning it into something is to make it a little more inherently comedic because you have to recognize that it's ridiculous at its core and you have to find a way around it, yet at the same time, dig in. Um, okay, so that brings me to 2018's Bumblebee. Um, uh, I think this is actually one of the best, um, transform uh, one of the best Transformer movies. It's a really great family movie. Now, there had been other Transformers movies before this. There's the Michael Bay ones, and I can go on and on about those if you want. But this one is a little quieter, where all the other ones are like big, loud, and Michael Bay and Mark Wahlberg. Haley Steinfeld here is the lead, a teenage girl. And I honestly, I mean this, she gives probably the best performance across from a CGI object that I've ever seen. Like she makes it feel real. She makes it, you really connect to the story. And it also has like a bit of a John Hughes vibe. It really connects to that kind of teen movie coming of age in this big action set piece. It also has John Cena as the villain. And like, once again, revealing he's a great screen presence. And it was like one of the first times I, I knew him from wrestling, but didn't really know him, that he was like an actor. And I just think Bumblebee, again, another, they were like, well, we made a lot of money at Transformers. Let's spit it off more. And they made a big hit out of it. And I think, again, like how I feel on IP goes back and forth, but that is taking something um, that a studio is just like, how can we maximize dollars? And an artist got in there and was like, actually, I can make a pretty cool movie around this. And so I think Bumblebee is a great example of one of the better IP movies because I think it's just like Pirates being a, a theme park ride. It's a little more callous in its approach. Like, we just need to make some more toys. And you can, but Bumblebee was able to package and give us something a little more. Um, which then brings me to my next subgenre theme uh, movie, which is Jumanji. So. Um, I want to highlight the 2017 Jumanji, which like kind of launched the rock is like, and Kevin Hart's like duo is comedic and Jack Black. This is a really solid studio comedy. Like, again, it's based off, it's a kind of a sequel. They implied to the 1995 Jumanji, which I almost thought about highlighting, but I wanted to talk about, so Jumanji in the movie, it's a board game that, you know, takes people through these worlds. They created the movie to sell the board game. Like it, the board gaming, the original movie comes out in 1995. So does the board game. They create, they basically, that means, I don't know, Parker Brothers, Mattel, I should have done my research. We're like, hey, we have an idea for a game. Let's create a whole movie around it to promote selling the game. And I just think, like, again, I'm really fascinated by like the pure let's go for it of IP. Like, we need to sell, we need to make something. And you know, here you got two big movie stars on the come up. You have The Rock. You have like, 
they perfectly cast it. This is directed by Jake Cassidy, who is like a comedic uh, television royalty director. Like he directed a ton of episodes of Freaks and Geeks. He did the New Girl pilot. He's like very great at finding talent. And I think this movie, while you know a straightforward airplane movie, very just like it's meant to be on. It's funny. It has some good beats. I just think it's a classic example of using IP to make something and like again showing particularly like the way they were like, hey, we need to market. They've market. They've done other movies like this. I believe there's Zarthura also as well was another one where they made the game and then the movie. And it's just like such a weird thought process to me to be like, we need to make this feel like it's real and a part of the culture. Let's make a movie about a board game. Again, I was trying to find more ridiculous uh, versions of IP. There's so many. I foresee us coming back to this topic. But uh, the last one is the movie... Um, uh, the last one I want to talk about is Clue from the 1980s, which is, I don't know if you've ever been stuck in daycare or at a board on a rainy day. You've played Clue. I'm not a big board game guy. I will admit that about myself. But um, this movie is hilarious. It features an incredible cast, particularly with Tim Curry, just absolutely crushing it. And again, like I know we think of it as a modern trend, the blockbusters, the Marvel, the MCU, the sequels. This is 1985, and they were like, we can make a movie off a board game. So I think it's important that like while these trends um, change and how they are approached, it's always, always happening. And so anytime people can see something that's popular with children, can we make something out of it to get more money out of them? They view them as the easy audience, but I cannot recommend the original clue enough. If you've never seen it, it's streaming on Tubi. It's a perfect comedy. It's 90 minutes. It's a, guess what? A murder mystery. Um, but again, it uses I, all four of these, I think, use a little bit of a comedic tone to kind of get through the fact that they're like intellectual property. Like, I guess I, I don't know if I said what IP stands for, but it's intellectual property. It's something the studios own, part own, maybe. Own. And so, like, there's people's jobs now. They're just like to scroll through and go, oh, there's a script. Oh, we own percentage of Jack Daniels. Can we do a Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of thing with Jack? Like, you can just sort of see the thought process. But every now and then smart artist is able to kind of cut through that bullshit and make something really great. And I think clue is one of the best comedies of the eighties. And so to me, that's a great example of like IP has always been with us. It's never going away, but maybe just maybe we'll be able to make some fun stuff with it. So, all right. Uh, that ends our subgenre of the week. Um, do I have to really narrate what I'm doing at the end of these things? Anyways. Um, so I wanted to offer a couple recommendations as I normally do. And so first up from the Tubi closet is the movie Sicario. And as you know, Tubi is the best streaming channel there is. They have everything. You can actually see one of Victoria's uh, movies, Lexi, is on there. Um, but Sicario, I think, has been forgotten. So this is directed, comes out 2015. It's directed by Denis Villanueva, who did, you know, the new Dune movie. He did Arrival. He did the Blade Runner sequel. And yet I think his best movie to me, is this little dark little gem called Sicario that stars Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, Benicio Del Toro, Daniel Kaluuya right before he got Get Out. Um, it's just like a loaded film with great character actors. It's super fucking intense. The score um, and like to me, one of the best movie stars, I think if I was in charge, she'd be the new Bond. Emily Blunt is just so good. In oh, John Berthnow's in this. Like it is just a movie loaded with faces and it's, you know, about the drug war at the border. And I don't know. The, it's so well directed. It's so tense. They made a sequel. That's how popular it was. But I think it's like, a, honestly, a little gem of a movie that has just been kind of forgotten um, in the like, as he's extended into like the great directors and like, you know, how, how I feel about Dune and Arrival, I'll save for a different episode. But I think here you can really see his visual skill. It's shot by Roger Deakins doing some of his best work. Every shot is just like gorgeous and lived in and dark. And so I just think, you know, if you're looking for something, you're like, I want a little thriller. I want a little action. I want a little something in the desert. Go on Tubi, throw on Sicario. So, and then, because I'm trying not just to be a movie guy for you all, uh, I wanted to get a TV recommendation in here. And so I want to recommend the TV show Shining Veil. It's on Stars. It stars, oh, look at that uh courtney cox kind of playing very much against type she's like uh a, a drunk writer angry 
married, upset she has a family, and they kind of move to a creepy old house in a neighborhood that just kind of like, you know, it's the only thing they can afford. And um, it goes in a lot of strange directions. So it, it is both, I would say, a drama and a comedy, but at a certain point it does kind of turn into The Shining. It becomes about ghosts. It becomes about the artist's compulsion to write and how we have to like let out all our worst demons. But then it gets even darker from there. And it's also kind of odd and funny. I think the two teenagers in this are really great examples of like realistic teenagers, and particularly their son, I think, is such a great little dopey idiot in it. And I was like, I know this kid, I've seen this kid, I watch him on airplanes, he never leave his VR and his camera phone never leave his face. And I just think that was a really um it's a really interesting show. Greg Kinnear and Courtney Cox have great chemistry, Mira Servina. Servino plays a get a uh, uh, a ghost, and it's also produced and I partly written by Sharon Horgan, who I think is one of the best writers and showrunners in TV. So she uh, did the show Catastrophe for four years with Rob Delaney, that I think is like a really dark, great show. She has a show on Apple right now called Bad Sisters. She's popped up in like movies like Game Night. She did a TV show back in London in the early two thousands called Polling, that might be the darkest comedy I've ever seen. And so she, the, the show walks this really interesting razor wire line and like, it doesn't always succeed, but you know, I watched the finale and I was like, Oh, I can't wait to see the next season. I need to know. So it, even though I didn't think I was hooked, it turned out I was. So if you have stars, if you can pirate it, I highly recommend shining Bale is a little bit change of pace. It's 30, every episode's 30 minutes, which I always love. Particularly. I love this new kind of like genre being created, like the bear of these like 30 minute dramas with a little hint of comedy. And so, Again, so those are my recommendations for the week. I thank you all for you know listening and watching and commenting, and I can't wait to talk to you again in two weeks. Thank you so much, everybody. I'll see you later, huh? Wait. I'll see you later. Bid you farewell and good luck, morons. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Then in the next episode, will take place two weeks from today. Hey, that's all. I gotta go.